This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. In Canada, an outright prohibition on compensating people who donate blood plasma is gaining ground. Strangely, Canada seems to have fewer problems with importing blood plasma from the United States. The U.S., of course, does pay people for their blood plasma. Thousands of Canadians depend on this life-saving blood component. Peter Jaworski is a visiting assistant professor at Georgetown University specializing in ethics. We talked about the life-and-death consequences of paying people for blood plasma this weekend at the Cato Club 200 event in Middleburg, Virginia. When we talk about trade, we think about how uh, we think about like goods, like machining parts or metals that come into countries and and move across. Then we need them for as inputs to other products. But one of the elements of uh, of trade is actually in uh, body bodily fluids, precious bodily fluids that are necessary for a lot of people to live. So with respect to Canada and the United States, there is an issue that is a tr- legitimately a trade issue uh, relating to blood plasma. So ex- explain what, what that is. Okay, so let me, um, let me back up a little and just kind of explain to your listeners how important blood plasma is to the American export market. Blood plasma exports represent 1.6% of all exports, of all American exports. 1.6% is higher than aluminum. It's higher than the amount of cars that you export. Uh, Now, you export it all over the world. And in fact, the United States uh, makes up about 60% of the total supply of plasma protein products. So you you use blood plasma and you manufacture these. Sometimes they're called plasma-derived medicinal products. Other times they're called plasma therapies. But you make these from human blood plasma. And the United States represents, like I said, 60% of the total global supply of these medicines. And it represents 80% of Canada's um, medicines. Okay. So in the United States, uh, when I think about blood plasma, my first thought is uh, being in college... And there was, a, you know, it's it's an unfortunate juxtaposition, but there was a plasma center next to the college bookstore uh, where I went to college in Louisville, Kentucky. And people uh, or organizations pay for blood plasma in the United States. Is that different than it is in other countries? Uh, It's very different. In fact, there's only six jurisdictions in the world that permit paying people for blood plasma donations. It's Germany, it's Austria, it's the Czech Republic or Czechia, uh, it's Canada, and it's the United States. Those are the those are the jurisdictions. And yeah, the United States pays. Uh, it pays between 20 to $50 for what takes about an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, that's how long it takes to make a, a plasma donation. Uh, and because of that payment, that's exactly why the United States has been called like the OPEC of blood plasma or the OPEC of blood. It pays, and that means that uh, a lot of people are willing to donate. You mentioned uh, that you saw one near your college bookstore. And of course, a lot of students in the United States do 
make a little bit of money on the side by going to blood plasma clinics. Now, in those six jurisdictions, only the United States has a model where the price can change. In Germany, for example, there's a mandatory cap on how much money you can be paid uh, for a blood plasma donation. Uh, Canada also does not have like a, a cap or a floor. However, um, in Canada, there are on, at the moment, there are only three blood plasma clinics that pay. One is in Winnipeg. Uh, it's now called Prometic. It used to be called CanGene. It's operated since the 1970s, and it pays for blood plasma donations. The other two are located in Saskatoon and in Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, the other jurisdictions, in this company, Canadian Plasma Resources, that's the other company, they wanted to open three plasma clinics in Ontario. They announced this in 2012. By 2014, the province of Ontario had decided to ban uh, uh, compensation for all kinds of blood donations. And so that company said, okay, fine, we'll move to Alberta. But in 2017, Alberta passed, now the legislation is called the Voluntary Blood Donations Act. So they banned them in Alberta. The company said, okay, we'll go to British Columbia. This year, uh, British Columbia passed the Voluntary Blood Donations Act. So those three jurisdictions that uh, comprise about 80% of Canada's population, uh, those three jurisdictions, it's illegal to pay people for blood plasma. So most Canadians can't go to sell plasma, which is why we buy it from you. And so most Canadians, uh, you're, you're, when you talk about that, that uh, is there a push then to on a federal level, ban uh, the donation or the, I should say, the selling, let's talk about this in clear terms, of blood plasma? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, so Senator Pamela Wallen has put forward a bill called, uh, the number is like Bill S-252, which would be a federal version of the Voluntary Blood Donations Act. That's what it's called. I don't expect it to go very far. Senators in Canada don't typically push their own legislation. Nevertheless, there is an effort to ban it at the federal level, which would make it illegal across Canada. So in the United States, uh, people can walk into a clinic and if they meet the requirements, uh, they can uh, sell blood plasma. And a lot of that is exported to Canada. Yes. So why is this a trade issue? What are what are the implications with respect to uh, trade or, uh, heaven forbid, tariffs associated with this issue? Uh, well, you can imagine if the you know, part of the problem and part of the discussion in Canada has to do with the issue of security of supply. And what that means is we are concerned about how much plasma protein products we have in our country. Um, uh, Canadian Blood Services, which is our blood collector and distributor in Canada, um, uh, they manage to manufacture only 17% of the immune globulin that Canadians use. So they are almost entirely dependent on uh, the countries that allow payment for, for blood plasma donations and have a lot of people donating blood plasma. If the United States were to charge a tariff, that would change the price structure in Canada. That would be a big problem for Canadian blood services and for Canadians in general. If there was, um, uh, you know, God forbid, but if there was a trade dispute between Canada and the United States, something that I consider wholly unlikely, um, 
I'm just kidding, of course, we are in the midst of a bit of a trade dispute at the moment. But if there was, that could have a significant effect on the ability of um, the Canadian healthcare system to deliver these life-saving products. Now you say life-saving products. Yes. We haven't really gotten to why this stuff matters. What are the benefits and well, what are the properties of blood plasma that uh, are so beneficial to the people who need it? Uh, so basically, it's the proteins in plasma that we need. Um, we manufacture drugs like immune globulin, uh, albumin, or clotting factor. So hemophiliacs, for example, sometimes need clotting factor in order to help their blood clot. And without it, um, you know, their lives are in danger. The most popular uh, plasma protein product is immune globulin, and that's for people who have uh, a, a whole range of like immune problems, immune deficiency, um, and they need that product in order to live. So it really is a life-saving uh, kind of medicine. So uh, why, if Canada is so concerned about supply and the security of their supply, you would think that they would turn to uh, allowing people to be compensated for providing this vital product to their fellow Canadians. You would think so, but that is not uh, what's happening in what Canada. Is, what is the, what is the, the, the moral thinking of the people who want to prevent their fellow Canadians from receiving some kind of remuneration for providing this product to their fellows? So there are a couple of moral arguments that people present. Uh, uh, I, along with a, a group of other ethicists and economists, responded to these arguments in a website that you can visit. It's donationethics.com. I think the most important argument that people raise is the worry about exploitation. So the concern is that the people who sell blood plasma are not, you know, it's not you, Caleb, and it's not me, a professor at Georgetown University. It's not people like us that are selling blood plasma. Instead, the view is that like it's it's college students and otherwise poor people. And the thought is that by offering money for blood plasma, you're preying on the vulnerable and you're generating revenue from you know the blood of poor people. Now it's ironic, uh, sometimes I've described it as hypocritical uh, in the case of Canada, since right now we might have a problem. We wanna ban the, <clears throat> the compensatory model in Canada, but we don't want to ban the importation of paid plasma, as it's sometimes called, from the United States. But of course you pay people here, right? We're in the United States at the moment. You pay people here for plasma. So it's a, it's at least inconsistent and it strikes me as hypocritical. I have a couple of other things to say about this too, namely that I don't think it's exploitative. Um, like I said, it's 20 to $50. The process takes about an hour to an hour and a half. That means you're being compensated at a rate of about 20 to $50 per hour, right? Uh, depending on how long it takes for you to donate. And with the bonus structure in the United States, it does work out to be about $20 to $25 per hour. That's well above the minimum wage everywhere in the United States. Uh, you know, fight for 15, it's well above the $15 per hour that some people were hoping to uh, uh, to, to make a policy in the United States. So, the, so they are paid, uh, I, I consider that amount to be a pretty good amount. Right? It's a pretty good uh, amount of money for the amount of time it takes. Uh, and uh, 
over and above that, it seems to me to be beneficial to the people who use it, right? Uh, to the people who donate the plasma, right? They need that money. It's not like if we remove this option, we'll somehow create an alternative option. Uh, poor people who uh, who think of plasma selling as their uh, highest priority, uh, for them, they'll have to move down the list to do something that they consider to be worse. Separately, it's important to note that it is a safe procedure for donors. So if it were risky, then there would be a concern about uh, exploitation. But the procedure in general is, uh, is safe. Um, uh, we still need to do more studies about long-term plasma donations. So some people do it very frequently, and we do need to find out more about that. But so far, it looks like, uh, at least for donors in the United States, it doesn't present any significant risks. So for those reasons, I just don't find the argument that it's exploitative uh, very compelling. So, it, you know, the United States allows this model. Canada is increasingly hostile to the model of allowing uh you know, uh, people who are you know who are possessive of themselves to sell blood plasma. What is the change that Canada needs to make? And uh, you know, first of all, it's perfectly okay for the United States to uh, export blood blood plasma to uh, other countries, but it doesn't seem like that is a necessary condition to save lives in Canada. No, it is not. The change that Canada needs to make is to be more open uh, to plasma clinics who want to donate, uh, who want to compensate donors. And in fact, <clears throat> all of the laws that have been passed, the Voluntary Blood Donations Acts, they exempt Canadian blood services. And so uh, at least some people are, I would call it an allergy, but they're, they're, um, allergic to the idea of a private for-profit company operating in the healthcare space in Canada. Um, and so if that's the concern, if that's the worry, you know, what, what I'd like to see is at a minimum Canadian blood services choosing to use donor compensation. We have very good evidence to suggest that only those countries that, I mean, in fact, only countries that compensate donors are self-sufficient in these products. Every country that does not use donor compensation uh, needs to rely on the United States or the other countries that I mentioned that do allow don donor compensation, right? So that's that's the change that I'd like to see. And it's it's interesting because when you talk about this, you talk about if you talk about uh, the donation of kidneys, or if you talk about the donation of bone marrow, or any number of of, pro of products of the human body. Uh, I can imagine a, a future in which skin grafts are things that, that people uh, might be able to donate uh, at some point. But it, it's, it seems strange that you would tell people who are on the margin of whether or not they'd be willing to give this product to help their fellows that uh, unless you're willing to go out of pocket in a sense that we're not interested in the benefits that you're willing to provide otherwise to your fellow humans. Yeah, that's right. 
I mean, it's a little bit difficult to talk about this issue precisely because I, I find it difficult to understand why we think that removing this kind of option improves the lot of the poor. So if our concern is the poor and if the concern is about the vulnerable, how do we improve their lot by taking away this option? I, I, I have a difficult time understanding why people think that's so. And I mean, amongst the list of items that, that you export to Canada, the other one is sperm. Right, sperm and ova. It used to be legal, and Canada used to have enough Canadian sperm uh, to supply the Canadian market, uh, the Canadian market for sperm. Um, and then we passed a law that made it illegal to um, buy or sell any, um, right? Like we can't have commercial surrogacy, you can't buy and sell sperm, you can't buy and sell uh, ova, right, uh, in Canada. And all the sperm clinics in Canada dwindled down to one in Toronto. And I believe there are exactly 17 sperm donors in the entire country of Canada, 17. 17 human beings. 17 human beings who donate sperm for the entire country. Obviously that's not enough. And obviously if you wanna start a family, you shouldn't look to one of the like 17 men in Canada who donate sperm. So of course that's not what people do. Instead they just, um, you know, they you can buy sperm on, on the internet. You can go online, you can go with one of these sperm clinics and you can pick certain features that you might like. You can pay different amounts of money and then they are, and that sperm gets sent uh, to Canada, to to a clinic in Canada, and that's you can get it done that way. There must be uh, some group um, trying to track the benefits here, the costs and the benefits of of having a program in which you prohibit people from uh, assisting their fellows. Uh, and who benefits from preventing this kind of exchange? So Canadian Blood Services has put forward a plan, a proposal to increase the amount of plasma that is donated in Canada without compensation. They are asking for $855 million from the provincial governments in order to open 40 plasma clinics, unpaid plasma clinics over the next seven years. Okay, Canadian Blood Services uh, is required to hire employees who are um, members of the Union of public employees, so the Canadian Union of Public Employees. Um, the people who are who have stood up against paid plasma for the most part have been uh, unions and activists who are affiliated with those unions. Uh, and if you want, I mean, the, the kind of crass, self-interested uh, explanation for the behavior, for the benefit is that that $855 million at least some of that would go to the salaries of unionized employees. And so at least a portion of that would end up in the pockets of the unions. Canadian Blood Services, meanwhile, uh, they too would benefit if they could receive that $855 million. And they understand that if a private paid plasma, if private paid plasma clinics were able to meet the demand in Canada, then that would either eliminate or at least lower the pressure that provincial governments feel to give them almost a billion dollars. But to their credit, in the case of Canadian Blood Services, uh, their argument against paid plasma is not the argument about exploitation. Uh, some of these other groups also sometimes raise the specter of uh, paid plasma being unsafe. 
and possibly leading to, in the 1980s, we had the tainted blood scandal in Canada, um, where a lot of people, uh, thousands of Canadians uh, received blood transfusions that were tainted and ended up with HIV and hepatitis C. And thousands of Canadians died as a result. And so some of these groups raise that as a prospect. They say, well, you know, paid plasma is less safe than unpaid plasma. But of course it isn't. Um, Canadian Blood Services, the CEO of Canadian Blood Services has a YouTube video where he says in no uncertain terms that paid plasma is just as safe as unpaid plasma when it comes to plasma-derived medicinal products, right? Uh, all of the international medical bodies have said the same thing, it is safe. So the issue of safety is actually not an issue here. And instead, Canadian Blood Services uh, raises the concern that paying people for plasma would crowd out uh, or potentially lower the number of people who are willing to give blood or plasma for free. Now you have to understand that for purposes of transfusion, we do not pay blood donors and we do not pay plasma donors, right? Uh, you don't, I mean, it's not illegal in the United States, but you are required by law to label the product as, as having been paid for. And then hospitals, it is, their, uh, it is their custom not to accept that product. So we don't pay for uh, blood and we don't pay for plasma for transfusion. Uh, but we do when it comes to making these plasma-derived medicinal products. Okay, so the product is safe and the concern is that we will not have enough people donate blood and plasma for purposes of transfusion. And that's Canadian Blood Services argument and on its face it's plausible. However, we don't have good enough evidence to demonstrate that that is happening uh, even here in the United States. Uh, the United States has now almost 800 paid plasma clinics, and uh, there have been a couple of studies in the past when there were about 400 plasma clinics in the United States, and it looked as though there was no crowding. Um, it looked as though uh, no, no blood uh, donations were eliminated as a consequence of people picking uh, paid plasma donations instead. However, that too requires uh, a lot of studies. Um, I think at the moment, I mean, there are many different ways to tackle it. One of it, uh, one of which is to have catchment areas. So you could have a, a plasma clinic, um, and then you know it can only open if there's no blood clinic within, say, 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers, or something like that. So there are different ways around this, and I'm not concerned about crowding. Uh, I think that can be dealt with. It seems to me that uh, the people who are making these kinds of decisions in Canada should familiarize themselves uh, if the uh, official body that determines these kinds of things says that paid plasma is no less safe than, than donated plasma, then uh, they should familiarize themselves with some supply and demand diagrams. The thought is, you know, some of this is, you know, people people would like to think of Canadians, um, Canadians would like to think of Canadians as being charitable people, good kinds of people, which I think in general we are. Um, and so the thought is that right now there are not very many unpaid plasma clinics in Canada uh, and people on the other side of this debate say that like if there were enough of these unpaid plasma clinics, if they were to open, then Canadians would roll up their sleeves and enough Canadians would donate plasma for free. But there, there, is, a, there is an opportunity cost there is. associated with donating 
plasma. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who would love to do that. Uh, I love my job, but if they stop paying me, I'd stop showing up. There is an opportunity cost. And when you ask uh, not just Canadians, but other people, like why they don't donate uh, plasma, they say, you know, they don't, an hour and a half is a lot to ask. And not to give someone some amount of money, you know, in a lot of cases, people can't give up an hour and a half. Uh, the other difficulty is that unpaid plasma costs a great deal more than paid plasma. Uh, this might sound unintuitive, but the reason why is because your average paid plasma donor is a repeat donor, is a steady repeat donor. We can count on that person coming back and donating plasma week after week, month after month. In the case of unpaid plasma, even when you have a regular donor, that person doesn't come back as often. And so it costs, there was a, a Health Canada expert panel report that just came out a few months ago, and they estimated that it costs two to four times more for unpaid plasma than for paid plasma, right? So it's more expensive. And even though Canadians, I mean, the dream is that enough Canadians would donate for free, sure. But it would be the first country in the world to accomplish this. I find that implausible. And when you consider that Canadian blood donation rates are lower than American blood donation rates, that's another piece of evidence to suggest that we are simply not going to be able to get enough unpaid plasma to meet the demand in Canada. Peter Jaworski is a visiting assistant professor at Georgetown University, where he teaches ethics. You can subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>